Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, national writer for the Washington Post. Coming today with a fun conversation with my man, Michael Grange from Sportsnet in Toronto. Uh, Michael and I talked a lot about the Kawhi Leonard trade. Also talked about why DeMar DeRozan uh, leaving Toronto was such a big story in Toronto and why there were so many people uh, in the city who were disappointed that DeMar was traded and why he had such a connection to that place in a way not many players do these days. Um, also got into what the you know future of the Raptors will look like with Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry leading the franchise with Dwayne Casey being replaced by Nick Nurse, a very different look to the Raptors. Uh, got a little bit into Kawhi's health and also touched a little bit on uh, both Steve Nash going into the Hall of Fame uh, and the future prospects for the Canadian national team, which is you know rapidly becoming one of the rising powers in the world and has a chance to take a big step by going to the World Cup next year. So fun conversation with Mike. Hope you enjoy it. And with that, let's get right to it. All right. Thank you to Michael Grange, my guest, for being on the podcast. Should have had him on sooner. Uh, ace basketball reporter for Sportsnet in Canada, um, who not only is involved with uh, the development of the sport in general, in Canada, which has blown up the last few years, but in particular focuses on the Raptors, of course, who uh, for a long time, I think the biggest criticism of the Raptors, Mike, is that they've been a boring team. That's kind of been the same team year after year that everybody kind of knows what they're going to get. And in over the, in the space of a couple months, Masai Jerry, the, the president of basketball operations has decided to uh, completely blow that up into the air. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're right on both counts. And thanks very much for having me. On Tim, it's uh, always great to chat. And I think uh, that would be the one thing, the one single thing that any Raptors fan, any NBA fan, any person like yourselves, you or me, uh, can be assured of is the Raptors are no longer boring. And uh, that was, you know, and we say it kind of lightly, but but in a way, um, you wonder if that was not a bit of the motivation anyway. And and since the moment the word about trade kind of began trickling out in the wee hours of whenever it was, um, there has been a charge uh, through uh, the franchise, the city, the basketball environment here, and, and, and through the league. It was the number one story in the league for you know better part of a week. And uh, yeah, same old Raptors are, uh, that's done. Well, yeah, I mean, that's certainly true. And look, I, I think to start this story, you have to go back to the way the playoffs ended with another sweep at the hands of the Cavs. Um, you know, when that series ended, you know, it did seem likely that Dwayne Casey was going to get fired. He was fired. Um, and that kind of seemed like that was going to be the change, right? You know, Nick Nurse uh, gets promoted to from, from being Dwayne's assistant to being the head coach, which is kind of what, at least from my perspective, being kind of remo- a couple steps removed from the situation, seemed like what was always going to happen. Um, you know, but Masai chooses to go with him. And that kind of seemed like that was what this summer was going to look like, Um you know, obviously the Kawhi trade has since happened. Um, was there a moment like when you started to think that was a real possibility that Kawhi was going to get moved and or that Kawhi was going to end up in Toronto, I should say. And how surprised are you that Masai was willing to not only, you know, change things up with the Dwayne piece, which I think we'll get into, you know, he's thought about several times over the last few years, 
Um, but that he was willing to really take that next step and really, you know, swing for the fences like he has here. Well, I didn't have any, I can't claim to have any particular insight that the, you know, the Kawhi move was, was coming exactly when it did or that the Raptors were, you know, going to be at the front of the line if and when it did happen. Uh, um, you know, the, from the Raptors side of the fence, I mean, it was all very hush-hush and, I think that's part of the reason, you know, there was a lot of blowback initially, at least from the DeMar DeRozan camp, is they, they kept it quite close to their vest because for all sorts of reasons. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but but am I surprised that that he I did swing for the fences the way he has? I'm going to answer yes, only because, you know, to predict um, something as momentous as what went down, you know, you'd be more likely lo- wrong than correct. And, and, right. and I did talk, you know, I did talk, but I did talk to people who were very close to the team and, you know, that the Messiah was shopping his core pieces very hard, um, you know, after the season leading up to the draft and, you know, and, and I did have some people say, look, one of those three, DeMar, Kyle, or Jonas will not be back. Jonas Valanciunas. And, you know, the most likely when you start, kind of parsing, you know, who had the most reasonable trade value um, was DeMar. But you just looked around the league and you're like, wow, I don't, I don't know if this could happen. And and I know around the draft, um, you know, the, the one option the Raptors were pursuing was was to try to get into the draft, into the lottery. They, there was some interest um, on the Raptors' point of view in those picks the Clippers had and and right you know, they wanted what, they wanted another Canadian boy Shea Gilgis Alexander right? yeah that I was, mean they were very was, high on him and that was and definitely the hot good reason of the draft for, right yeah for good reason that kid's going to be a really good player I think um, but that I think would have triggered a, a more aggressive rebuild and and you know they just couldn't make it happen and and so um, you know there was a willingness to be bold but you know there's a big difference between wanting to be bold and 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 actually pulling it off and you know outside of firing a coach which and when they they fired Dwayne you thought that might be the end of it just because you know there wasn't an obvious way to kind of disassemble what they'd put together right well and 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 when you talk about Masai moving those pieces or trying to move different guys around there's no question he's been aggressive for a while like you said that wasn't that was kind of an open secret around the league that um, you know, Jonas has been on the block that they, I think they would like to trade Serge Ibaka, but um, that's not really probably feasible. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, there's, and frankly, there's a reason they want to trade for Serge right. Ibaka. And, and, to your, yeah. and, to your, and to your point, Kyle Lowry's in a similar boat. I mean, there's a guy who is 32 who's making $30 million the next couple of years. Like there's not a, um, there's not a huge market for that, right? So if, if they were going to trade one of those guys, you know, and actually get value back, DeMar was the guy that they were going to trade. Now, DeMar is kind of a polarizing guy, as I'm sure you are well aware in the basketball world, given, uh, you know, he is kind of an old school game. He's not a great defensive player. He's, he's kind of a throwback guy to like the 80s and 90s, um, which I think personally has uh, depressed his, um, how good he actually is in the eyes of a lot of people. Um, but that being said, I think for people who aren't in Toronto, um, I don't think they quite understand. Like after the trade, there were a lot of people who were mad that the Raptors traded DeMar DeRozan. I think to a lot of basketball fans, there was some confusion in that. Not that not because DeMar had been there for a long time, but that Kawhi is such a good player. Um, but I, I was hoping that you could kind of shed some light for people who aren't really plugged into the Toronto scene on just how important DeMar was to that franchise and why um, 
why the fans there do have such a connection to him, I think understandably given, you know, some of the things that he did to, to kind of set a new course for, for the Raptors going forward. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And that's why, I mean, uh, you know, like I'm sure I've covered big trades before. I'm sure I'll cover more of them. But I, I would be surprised if I cover a trade that's as sort of just foundation shaking, you know, maybe going back to Vince Carter. Um, but, Vin, but Vince, but the, would, and the difference, not I, yeah, to cut would, you would, off, the difference Vince is Vince wanted, wanted to, to leave, right? And right. DeMar wanted to right. stay, which I think is yeah. going to be the basis of what your answer to this question but, is. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so um, I think... You know, I have a vivid recollection of when, when, when I think uh, the salary spike, like, you know, you wrote about just this week, you know, when it kind of came into the league the last two years before this one, and it, the deal had just been signed, the huge TV deal, and DeMar was just coming off, I believe, his first all-star season. Yep. And so you could project in the horizon, you know, this is a young guy, he's an all-star, he's got to probably be a multi-time all-star by the time all this money flows into the league. And I remember having a conversation with him. I was like, are you ready to be a $200 million basketball player? And he knew nothing about what I was talking about. <laughs> um, you know, he's like, well, what are you talking about? But, uh, but you know, DeMar, first of all, that you had this conversation with DeMar. I mean, look, we can't go around grading NBA players based on how they deal with uh, people in our industry. But, you know, it is nice. It is enjoyable when you meet a, a star player who, who's a civil and kind of easy, courteous thoughtful guy to deal with which tomorrow is one of the tomorrow is one of the 10 best guys in the league yeah and and he grew into that like that's all part of this whole story which is probably going to end up being a very long answer but he you know he's he came into the league incredibly shy like you never heard him talk um you never really wanted to talk to him because it was kind of pointless and and then just step by step step by step very similar to how his basketball uh game has grown his acumen developed he became he slowly revealed more and more of himself until he's like you say just a wonderful ambassador for the sport and for himself and his family and all the rest of it and but uh, so to loop back having this conversation with him you know and i said to him like are you prepared to be a raptor for life like i mean and that's where the conversation very quickly went to and 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 i, I think i was maybe the first person who ever had the conversation with him saying like it's really important to me to to be spend my whole career in one in one place. I want to finish what I started. The minute I showed up here, you know, I felt the connection, and I it was really important to me to be a guy who didn't bounce around or didn't retire with four or five jerseys framed in his basement or wherever yeah. it gives these guys frame their frame their basement, frame their jerseys. Well, and to um, your point, it needs to be remembered, and this is probably where you were getting to when that cast spike went in in 2016, which I did write about today. I hope people read it. Um, when when that cast spike went in. The Lakers are sitting there with Kobe Bryant, his idol, retiring. Here's a kid from Compton who could go, could have walked to L.A. and been the guy to replace Kobe, right, as a shooting guard. Yep. And yep. he didn't even take a meeting. I mean, he signed, yeah, he signed I, for a little less with the Max than the Max with the Raptors on, like, June 25th and said, I don't want to play anywhere else. And that was, exactly. the, that was the first time ever that a guy in his position had chose to do that with Toronto. Yeah, to that extent. Guys had signed second deals. Um, that gets overlooked a lot. Like Vince, Chris, you know, they all signed their second deal. with. But everybody, but, has, but to sign, made... everybody has to sign the second deal because they're restricted. Right. The, the, but, the big deal yeah. is the third deal. Correct. And, and, and you know, and, and I think people had a lot of faith that DeMar would go down that road. Um, and there, he never demonstrated otherwise. But it was amazing. I mean, he was a free agent coming off. Um, a run to the conference finals 
and you know uh, uh, another all-star season and i remember like going to his end of season media availability and basically saying look you know i, I don't want to go anywhere <laughs> like I, you could just sort of hear aaron goodwin's you know brain exploding going <laughs> what about your leverage you know, right. Like he didn't, and that was what made him so special. Is among the many things is is he just never played the game. His only right. game was I want to be a Toronto Raptor. Right. And he not only spoke those words, he proved himself worthy of that kind of status by developing his whole basketball, everything about his game. Yep. And to the point where you know he's a people kind of overlook the fact he's a two-time All NBA player. Oh, no question. I think he's become, and, and, it's weird. DeMar to me has gone from a guy who, you know, I mean, remember when Brian Colangelo signed him to a four-year, $40 million extension in 2012, people were like, this is an insane extension. What is Brian doing? And he's gone from that to a guy who, yeah, he isn't Kawhi Leonard, but he is a legit top 30 player in the league who, you know, last year I think averaged like 24, 5, and 5. Which, right. And you know, if, he, is, is if he not, knew. is no joke. And if he knew you said he was a legit top 30, he'd be mad to your house and he'd push 50 on you. You know what I mean? Like he takes all that stuff very personally. And, and, and I would say this, like, like he is, how good is DeMar DeRozan? He's not as good as Kawhi Leonard. Okay. I think I'm, I'm not going to try and argue that. Sure. I think he's better than people um, commonly give him credit for, Um, you know, and, and some of his number advanced numbers don't support it. Some do. Um, He is a very, I'm going to, a bad defensive defensive player like he's got flashes of competence that right. are interrupted by long stretches of like it was amazing just we were at that usa basketball trial there just last week and watching him do shell drill and you're like wow okay <laughs> right he's uh he doesn't do he doesn't see man and ball all the time but <laughs> uh you know but but i mean in in his defense uh you know, offensively, he's much more varied than people realize. Yes. Um, his his assist rate, I think, was uh, nearly 20%. Like, it was very high, career high, puts up really high and consistently high assist numbers, is a good pick-and-roll player, um, can create for other players, and in the James Harden tradition, you know, is one of his best friends in LA. He, he, you know, we say out of fear, like, sure, he's not a great three-point shooter, but he gets he's take, making a lot of three-pointers. Right. And does that as well as own, arguably anyone in the game outside of James Harden. So, um, well, know, I think I, I think I, the thing the thing to me that sums up Demar in 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 kind of an easy way is that I think people have just begun to overrate or underrate, I should say, um, that being a volume scorer on a good team is an important skill. Like it's it's one thing to say that like a guy's a really good role player, like Danny Green, who the, the Raptors got in that trade. Danny Green's right. a really we good fall in role love with play- those guys. Right. Danny Green's yeah. a really good role player that you put him in a box and say, Hey, listen, play defense and make threes. Danny Green can do that and is a really good fit in that role. But it's one thing to be a guy who fits nicely into a role. It's another thing who to be, all right, you're gonna be the leading scorer on a team that wins fifty nine games. Like that that's a that's a that part of it to me is underrated. Where, yeah, he ha- like you said, he has flaws in his game, but the strengths that he has have certainly allowed the Raptors to go from a team that had won one playoff series in their history to one that has gone to the playoffs five years in a row, has won more than 50 games, I think, four times for the first time ever. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and has won four series in four or five years when they'd won, you know, 
not Zero. won I think, one in but they, they never they never won a seven game series. Right. I mean, I think to your point, Tim, and a lot of the stuff that's kind of gone on this summer in a way is attributable if you want to look at it backwards um, to this quality that you're referring to that Demar has. And one is he's available. The guy never gets hurt. He play, and this is in a contrast to Kawhi Leonard. You know, he plays. He had he's had one injury in his entire career that was kept him up for more than. You know, I think he was missed 13, 22 games one season, and otherwise right. he's played like 98% of the available games. Right. Plays big minutes. Um, and and if you look at the Raptors, why did they win 59 games last year? Well, I think they went like 39 and two against sub 500 teams. Right. And why did they do that? Because Demar Derozan. They beat everybody. On Tuesday they beat night, everybody they're supposed to because they they show up. He Tuesday he in night in February. No one else wants to compete. Demar will he'll, he'll get you a win and and look it's not sexy it's not Giannis it's not LeBron it's not Anthony Davis but it is a guy who leaves nothing on the table in terms of his commitment to being a great pro and uh, and but the, you know the real the issue the reason he's traded is there does seem to be a bit of a ceiling there and you know you're not you know you're not a legend you're not making it to the NBA Finals because you're Giving it to Charlotte in November, right? Like right. you're, you know, led, you know, you got to be doing it against the best competition in May and June, and and that's where he struggled a bit, and that's where the team has struggled a bit, and that's why, uh, you know, the the if you want to change that trajectory, the the judgment was made that you had to change the mix. Right now, let's let's sh- we'll shift off of Demar a bit, but but the guys sorry, there. yeah, no, and, and I just want to finish the point because because yeah, I rambled. And but in the context of all of that, this guy was absolutely truly beloved. Even guys who didn't, people in the city who maybe were kind of struggled with him as a player, no one struggled with him as a franchise player. No one struggled with him as a person. And you know, and there was a genuine, legit sadness. You know, because Demar seemed sad. And 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 you know, from even people who are like ecstatic that Kawhi Leonard's now a Raptor. I think, if they're being honest, would be sad that it had to come at the expense of, you know, DeMar DeRozan and his happiness just because he was that legitimately – people were fond of DeMar DeRozan. I don't know how many guys in the NBA can have countries and cities legitimately say that they're fond of their star player. If you enjoy this podcast and are interested in learning more about the NBA, you can get my weekly NBA newsletter, the Monday Morning Post-Up, delivered right to your inbox every Monday morning at 8 a.m. To do so, please go to wapo.st slash postupnewsletter to subscribe. You'll get an original column from me, links to my work from the past week, links to work from both my colleagues at the Washington Post and other writers from around the web about the league, a viewing guide for the week ahead, and some dining and pop culture recommendations. Again, to subscribe to the Monday Morning Post-Up, please go to wapo.st slash post-up newsletter and start your week off right with everything you need to know about the NBA. Yeah, he's, he's, got a, he's a guy that uh, people have a real, real admiration for, you know, which, like you said, is not is you know in today's nba where guys move around a lot that's not something that necessarily happens but let's shift to the other side of this and look at the raptors sure. standpoint i i think i think you were the one who said this i can't remember for sure but um, maybe you just said it to me privately but 
where where are the Raptors right now on Kawhi Leonard's health? Obviously, he passed his physical, or they passed him through his physical, however you want to describe it, but that the, they approved the trade. He's officially in Toronto. Uh, there was the picture of him smiling with Besai and Bobby Webster, the team's GM. <laughs> was that a uh, smile? It, it, it's a smile. It's certainly a smile for Kawhi. Um, okay, all right. So where, where kind of does that situation stand? Like, do they expect him to be ready to go to Vancouver and, and be in training camp? Do they know yet? Like, what, what kind of – from your reporting and where you sit right now, like what, what do you expect? What do they expect from Kawhi Leonard at this point? I think the best read I can get on that is um, they are, see no obstacles, um, but they aren't promising him hitting the floor in training camp day one and, you know, doing full court, full contact basketball activity. So they're giving themselves a little bit of wiggle room in that respect. They aren't creating an expectation of this guy's fine, 100%, even though he hasn't played since February. Uh, you know, he's 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 going to be fly of old. I think that there's an allowance. And it could just be, you know, setting expectations low. Um, and I should say they haven't set any expectations publicly. But even, you know, kind of privately, they've said, look, you know, we're going to give it – we're not rushing anything. And, you know, their investment in this project is that he is at his peak basketball ability, you know, in the second half of next year and playoffs and whatever it takes to get to that point, I think they're willing to do from a public perspective, you know, from a public relations standpoint. I mean, I think they definitely want this guy to be up and ready and healthy and not gimpy and all that kind of stuff. But I haven't heard anyone tell me you got nothing to worry about. He'll be fine. And just in the absence of that, I wonder if there there could be just a little a little caution, a note of caution being sounded. Yeah, I mean, listen uh, again, right? This is a guy who played. Um, this is a guy who played uh, nine games last season. Nine games right? with yep. with an injury that nobody seems to have a real handle on. That I I know from my own reporting, there were multiple occasions where the Spurs were expecting him to play, and Kawhi, um, you know, Kawhi had made it clear he was going to play. And then all of a sudden was like, Nope, I'm not going to go today. Um, and that happened a bunch of times. Uh, and you know, it's just, there, there was a lot of uncertainty about just where he was at, where his head was at. He's a guy who has never exactly been vocal. Uh, you know, kind of like Demar was at the beginning of his career. It's the way Kawhi has always been. Um, just not, not somebody that's ever really, uh, not that he has bad relationships with anybody. Like he had a good relationship with Greg Popovich right to the end. Um, mm-hmm. but it just, he just isn't a guy that is really out there like that. And it does, you know, I, 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 it is going to be really interesting to see how this plays out because, you know, if the, if he does show up for training camp and he's limited or not doing anything there, this isn't San Antonio. I mean, Toronto is one of the biggest media cores in the league. There's going to be a lot of people up there going crazy saying, wait a minute, we traded DeMar DeRozan to get this guy who now still isn't healthy after a year and a half. Like what, like, what are we doing? Yeah. that That's kind of like the, you know, this is a high risk, high reward move, but that is the one element of it that kind of got swept under kind of swept away. Like people all over the league, but in this market, maybe especially of kind of, yeah, we're just going to plug Kawhi Leonard in. He's going to be the guy who won the finals MVP and everything's going to be great. And, you know, no one really wants to talk about what could happen if he plays 45 games and, you know, is he just can't quite get right. And, 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 and is this sort of distraction um, that, 
kind of tears at the fabric of things, which is conceivable. And it doesn't mean Kawhi Leonard's a bad guy. It means he's a guy with coming off, you know, dealing with a pretty significant seeming injury, a mysterious one, trying sure. to preserve his value and his career. And he's shown that he's certainly prepared to do that over and above what uh, his previous franchise might have ex- expected of him. And I would presume going into free agency that he'll, you know, quite rightly will prioritize that again over this new franchise. So, you know, that's kind of like the, the, the where all of this could really unravel and where, um, you know, it can really look bad where, where you've punted on, you know, potentially what you did have for sure with DeMar DeRozan is, is a lot of wins and a lot of playoff, you know, chances to make the playoffs. Um, and if you, the return on that is, you know, a guy who's doesn't do much when he's here because of his health and then is gone in a year and, you know, that, that's, you kind of look bad doing it, but already there, there's an, you know, an excuse out there waiting, which is, okay, if that happens, then we're, we're pivoting rebuilding and we are going to have to get there anyway. So this just accelerates that process. And, you know, we can, we can dive into that with both feet, or I guess you don't dive in with both feet, but you know what I mean. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, it does seem like Masai made this move with an eye on that, right? That if I'm going to swing for the fences and if it doesn't work, I'm fine turning this over because I'm ready to turn it over. Cause I don't think you make this move if you're not willing to do that. Right. I, yeah, I agree. I mean, and, and depending on how you perceive risk, I mean, that is the downside risk. And, and some people would say the real risk in the Raptors we're facing in not making a move is a year from now, uh, DeMar DeRozan, you're, you, you'd either have DeMar DeRozan opting in, uh, to the last year of his deal and kind of screwing up plans to break up the core that year when everyone's a year older and it was really time to rebuild or, uh, you know, being under pressure to sign an 11-year veteran with, to a long-term max deal, almost like in a log- legacy-type play, Yep, which could have been pretty darn awkward. So, uh, so in a way, you know, it, this is very much a rip-the-band-aid-off-fast-type uh set of circumstances and and you know like i said i think messiah jury one thing he does well is he's very good at setting expectations both internally and, and externally and you know i think that that's it's almost become accepted that if this all blows up then we will blow it up and uh you know we'll just pivot hard and fast to a rebuild which i think we can all agree if you are going to rebuild you you better do it sooner than later yeah that's usually usually if you try to drag something out longer to try to you know hang on to the glory days in the NBA, that doesn't work, right? Um, usually, doing it a year sooner is a better is better if you're kind of in this spot than a year longer. And it'll be um, it'll be interesting to see how that part shakes out. Now, one thing we've kind of talked around a little bit is with Dwayne leaving, with Demar leaving. You know, those are two guys, and we've talked about this privately that were really the faces of that franchise. It was really Demar, Dwayne, and Masai. Um, you know, Kyle Lowry's never been going to be in front of the cameras that much he isn't you know we had an interesting interaction with him in <laughs> in vegas uh, i i think you know I, I think kyle is going to uh express himself probably a lot more fully uh when he gets back to toronto for before the season starts i'm guessing uh from what but well you know we'll see about that but um you know he 
I, I think one of the things that hasn't really been discussed with this trade very much is losing DeMar and losing Dwayne. Now you have Nick Nurse, the first-time NBA head coach, who by all accounts is a very talented coach but hasn't been in this spot before. And you ha- then you have two stars in Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard who, if the Raptors lose a tough playoff game, are going to be sitting on the podium, and neither one of them is going to want to say anything. And I, I think I'm, I'm very curious to see how that dynamic uh, – shakes out over the next six or eight months because uh, I think that, you know, especially in a market like Toronto where there is a lot of media, um, not having those people to kind of take those slings and arrows from the press and kind of, you know, answer those questions and kind of stand up there and do that stuff, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the Raptors are able to handle that. Yeah, and I, th- I think, you know, I wrote about this when I was in Vegas and, and uh, you know, based on that, you know, the, there's a little contingent of Canadian media that went down there. It was our first opportunity to talk to DeMar. It was our first opportunity to talk to Kyle in the wake of the trade. And DeMar, as usual, was very forthcoming and, and you know, spoke his mind. And Kyle was weird, right? Like, he, he kind of gave the, the non-answers and the runaround and, and you know, and, and it's like Toronto local media, we're, we've seen it, we're used to it. It happens not always, but occasionally. Sure. And, you know, he can be very good, too. Um, but I think some of the national media were like, why is he doing that? You know, you've got Kevin Durant talking about any subject under the sun and you go on <laughs> right. down the list. Right. So it wasn't like it was it was no one else was was holding forth. And uh, I just thought Kyle was probably felt like he was in a weird spot where, you know, he is sticking around with the team. So whatever sore feelings he might have about DeMar being traded, you know, he doesn't want to talk himself into a bad spot. And, you know, he would have been better off just saying that. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see what role Kyle Lowry decides to accept for himself, because there is going to be a bit of a leadership void. And to your mention, you know, the the need for a a guy to be the public face and, you know, Kyle is fully capable. I mean, he's one of the smartest guys in the league. Oh yeah. Yeah. When I said, when I said that, but to be clear, he is a really smart guy and an interesting guy, but a guy that doesn't, he just isn't interested in doing that stuff. Yeah, he's picky about it. And, and and I think, you know, what is going to be needed from him, you know, is leadership, you know, and it's going to be him who's going to, as the primary, as the, you know, the guy who runs that team right. to integrate well with Kawhi Leonard, relate well with Kawhi Leonard, uh, you know, develop a good working relationship with Kawhi Leonard. So that's incumbent on Kyle. Uh, if you've got a rookie head coach and, and I think Kyle and Nick Nurse have a have a nice relationship. I think there's some re- there's respect there. But Kyle's been tough on coaches in the past, and you never know what it's going to be like in the heat. Right. And um, is he going to be a guy who says, "Look, I it's up to me to make this work for Nick Nurse to make to take the heat off him to make his life easier as the floor general for this organization." And so what choice Kyle decides to make in that respect as a 32 turning 33 year old all-star who's been paid well above market, I would argue, right. um, and has been treated very well by this organization, this management and executive team um, will be very telling, you know, and I think he has the ability to extract the most, you know, to, to steer this, this, to give this whole experiment the best chance to succeed. But you know, if he chooses to 
be a little sticky about the whole thing, then then he can also you know be the guy who sort of uh, tips it over too. So um, that's that's going to be really fascinating to watch. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see how that goes. Now, two things quick before we go. Not on the Raptors at all, but on Canadian basketball. Um, Steve Nash is getting inducted in the Hall of Fame this year. Um, you know, without, without really thinking too much about it, I assume he's pretty clearly the greatest Canadian basketball player of all time. Um, yeah, no doubt. And I, I just as somebody who has been in that scene for a long time, um, I've never actually asked you this question. I, who do you think has meant more to the explosion of talent coming out of uh, the country over the past 10 years or so, uh, Vince Carter or Steve Nash? You know, I'm, I'm probably going to say Vince just because the he was so present in the minds of – I've talked to so many of these young guys, um, you know, the, the Tristan Thompson, Corey Josephs, Andrew Wiggins. You know, he was he was just such a superstar at the moment. They were 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. That and all those really, guys are Toronto guys too. Toronto guys, yeah. So, so, you know, um, and, and Steve I, – I, I, I've – answer this question different ways. I think Vince maybe lit the fire and got a lot of guys excited about it in a way that maybe they wouldn't have been or weren't in previous um, iterations. But Steve was the guy who proved that your dream can come true. Right. And right. Steve has had a mentoring role with a lot of those young guys coming up through the national team and, all, and you know, just, just sending texts here and there. And so I think the fact that a guy, a normal seeming guy from, you know, with the same passport as a lot of these guys made it was very meaningful. And, uh, you know, the funny thing, the, the, the interesting debate we have up here sometimes isn't whether uh, Nash is the best basketball player that's ever been. I mean, that's, it's, there's no debate for Canadians. Um, but is he the best Canadian athlete of all time? And that, that, that's always a really interesting one. But uh, my argument has always been that, that what Steve did, um, you know, the, we have this you know, long list of incredible hockey players, but sure. that's always been Canada taking what is essentially Canadian and, and kind of bringing it out to the, to the world, right? This is what we're about. And yes. you know, can you appreciate us for us, which is a wonderful thing. What Steve did, and it's almost like more like the, the modern, you know, Canadian thing as like a very mosaic, very like cosmopolitan country, certainly a city in like Toronto, is he said, you know what, basketball is the biggest thing in the world. And us and we as Canadians can be part of that global conversation, too. And it's kind of like two different ways of, of, of presenting yourself as Canadians. And, and uh, you know, I think Steve, for my money, is, is the greatest Canadian athlete, period of all time but uh you know and it's 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 you know gonna be a big moment when he does get indicted in, into the hall of famer gets introduced as a hall of famer in in september yeah pretty crazy class with him jason kidd ray allen uh grant hill um yeah. you know it's it's a pretty that's a pretty big time a big time class and one final question along those same lines uh we're coming up on the start soon of the the final round of uh qualifying for the World Cup, uh, where seven of the 12 teams in the Americas will qualify. Uh, you know, the, the Canadians just missed qualifying four years ago. I guess five years. Yeah, four years ago, they missed qualifying for the 2014 World Cup. Uh, right. How important will it be for Canadian basketball for this team, which frankly should qualify in, in, this, in these groups? Uh, how important will it be for um, – 
for the Canadians to make the World Cup next year in China and be on the world stage with the young players they have to kind of, you know, take that next step forward and be part of, you know, a major international competition like that for the first time in a while? Uh, I think it's huge, Tim. And, and uh, you know, the one missing ingredient that, that uh, um, missing element, I guess I would say, that, that as, the, you know, the basketball scene in this country has exploded the past decade or so has been sort of that top banner national team type success. And, uh, you know, they've come agonizingly close. I mean, I think the, the, it was in, they were Mexico City in 2015. Is that right? Qualifying with the chance to qualify for the Olympics in 2016. Um, I might have my dates wrong. Lost yeah, right. the yeah, lost Venezuela in like the like yep. complete band. Like it's like the most lost excruciating the, loss lost I've the, ever seen lost the, in any lost sport. The gravest, lost the gravest Vasquez. I don't remember where it's, I was. Gravest Vasquez was hurt. He wasn't even playing. Oh, that's but, right. He uh, wasn't playing on the yeah, team. That's there's right. There's a bunch was, of guys no I'm, one's ever heard of. I was watching that game. I don't remember where I was watching that game, but I. I you know, I, I would have been cool to see this young, you know, young team with a bunch of Canadians make it. My my fellow Bonaventure alum, Andrew Nicholson, was on the team. I was, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, I was pulling for them to win, and it was, it was wild uh, to see them it was lose a that crazy game. finish. But, but I mean, you know, that that's what's been missing, and and there is definitely an of talent. Like, there's more Canadians in the NBA from than from any other country other than the U.S. There's more coming. Uh, the pipeline is, you know whatever's happened in the last 10 years is not the end. It's the beginning. It's going to be like a nonstop supply. Yeah. The next, the, for people players. that, for people that don't know, the likely number one pick in 2019 is uh, RJ Barrett. Who's another Mississauga guy who is going to like, Duke. Yeah. And there's a long list of guys that are under his umbrella, but, but I think, you know, what, what the, you need to be, you know, uh, you got to get it done. You got to get to the world championships. That'll be a huge, development opportunity for a young group and also that young group you know one problem Canada has had is they haven't quite been able to get guys to universally buy into the national team concept for a whole bunch of different reasons which is about three other podcasts <laughs> um, but but I mean I think you know nothing breeds success like winning and they get to the you know they get to the world so there'll be a medal contender there just based on talent and then really what that does is give them that galvanizing experience to take into hopefully the Olympics and uh, you know, and they're going to have as good a chance as anyone uh, to face the U S in, 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 in a world or Olympic final. Um, they just need experience and commitment. And uh, so, yeah, this is, this round of qualifying is, is huge for them, but, but I think they're go They'll do it. And then, uh, then it's a matter of, of what they can do. And, in, uh, in, I get confused. The Olympics are in, yeah. The world's are in China. The world, the, the world cup is in China. The World Cup is in is in China, and the, the Olympics, Olympics in Japan. Twenty twenty will be in Tokyo. So yeah, um, there we go. You know, it should be it should be fascinating. So all right, man, I appreciate uh, I appreciate the time. Uh, let people know where they can follow you on Twitter, and uh, if you've got any stories you just did or you have coming up that you wanted to look out for. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm uh, yeah. So I'm at sportsnet.ca, very easy. And then on Twitter is at Michael Grange. Again, pretty simple. And do I have any stories? No, I've been on vacation. So, <laughs> well, so good for you. I'm I am not the uh, I'm not vacation. the hardest man in work. I'm not. I'm not. I can't keep up with you, Tim, Tim Bontemps. I need. I need a break once in a while. Vacation. But, uh, it sounds like you're smarter than me for being on vacation. So yeah. that's good. So uh, anyway, but I, thanks I for having me on, man. Absolutely, really man. I appreciate the time and uh, enjoy the rest of your vacation. You too. Take care.
thank you to Mike for doing the podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, be sure to go follow him on Twitter and check out his work. He does an amazing job, not only covering the Raptors, but also doing stuff about the league and doing a lot of stuff on the Canadian national team that, you know, over the next few years is going to matter because they they should be in the mix for, um, you know, for both the World Cup and for the Olympics. And it will be interesting to see how the program develops over time. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps, on Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA, and the pages of the Washington Post are on our website at washingtonpost.com slash sports. Please go give the podcast a five-star rating and review wherever you can find it, be it uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Radio Public, Google Play, TuneIn, uh, wherever. Uh, the, the rating and review really helps a lot, so please do that. Please go support Glenn Yoder in the Western States, who do the theme music for the podcast. Glenn is the NBA editor of the Post, good friend of mine. His band is great. Definitely go support them. Also, go check out our other podcast at WashingtonPost.com slash podcast. We have more stuff coming in the future. Excited about it. A lot of great stuff there. Definitely go check all that out. Thank you, as always, for listening to the pod. And we'll talk to you all again soon.